How's it going, everybody? Adrian here, and welcome back to the Gaming Observer Daily News Updates for Wednesday, December the 15th. Hello, my friends. Hope you're well. And I uh, got lots to talk about today in the world of video games. Let's get into it. First things first, I want to give you a story that I didn't really report on last week because of the Game Awards, but I can tell you about it now, which is that IGN has released a very, very large report talking about the workplace culture at Bungie. And it's a very long article. I encourage you to read it. I will not be able to accurately summarize every section of it. But they talked to a lot of different people who worked at Bungie who experienced some really bad things. And I'm going to actually just read for you the summary from gamesindustry.biz about this report because they did it quite well. Quote, Bungie's narrative team was singled out as particularly problematic in recent years, with stories of gendered slurs, homophobic and racist jokes, and abusive behavior from a group of white male senior leaders with a more diverse team of women and marginalized writers underneath them. In instances where people complained, they were told the senior person was just joking, or that they needed thicker skins, or they were berated and yelled at. The narrative team also worked up to 100-hour weeks during crunch periods, with requests for additional staff to handle the workload over years repeatedly denied. End quote. There's also these crazy stories where when a particular expansion came out, Curse of Osiris for Destiny 2, apparently there were some really toxic fans who singled out the women at Bungie and started harassing them and sending them death threats. And apparently Bungie did not support them in that at all. In fact, they even took those comments as justification for the narrative team doing a bad job. Like, total nonsense. Anyway, the article kind of concludes that Bungie is on its way towards doing better. They have a diversity and inclusion director. A lot more leadership is being composed of underrepresented groups. Crunch has been improved over time. So a lot of this was kind of early Bungie, or five years ago Bungie, let's say. However, after the article came out, the CEO came out and said, hey, none of this should have ever happened. We took too long to fix it, and there was still a lot more to fix. So it's definitely a large story with a lot going on. But I'm really happy that reports like this exist, because it lets us know that, hey, you know, the people who make our favorite games can sometimes be going through a lot of pain at their own workplace. And that's not a good thing. And even if it is improving right now, it's good to talk about it and have it in the open, because otherwise change isn't going to happen. Earlier this year, in the summer, there were some interesting articles that started popping up about the relationship between PlayStation and indie developers. A lot of indie devs were starting to speak out about the fact that it was actually very hard to publish games on PlayStation. And what we've recently learned is that it seems like PlayStation has actually heard those complaints and are working on improving them quite transparently. Now, they never came out and directly addressed or responded to the fact that these developers said these things, but they've just started conveniently making some changes that directly align with the complaints that people were having. First of all, it was very, very hard to communicate with PlayStation if you released a game with them. People didn't know who to talk to, where to go, information was being confusing, stuff like this. Second of all, sometimes they would release a game with PlayStation and have no idea how well it sold engagement, analytics, anything like that, which are super important for a video game, they were just running blind. There was a lot of issues with discoverability and finding these games on the PlayStation Store, and then trying to tell anybody about any of these issues were also apparently just falling on deaf ears. And so, I guess similar to the story with Bungie there, it's been said that this is something that is just kind of slowly changing now, and we're starting to see 
the way that communication is opening up and, and the efforts that PlayStation are making to make it easier for indie developers to have a relationship with them. And that's always a great thing. So happy to hear that. And a uh, shout out to the author of both of these IGN articles, Rebecca Valentine, a great journalist who does some great work. Okay, and the last thing I'll mention are three games that are heading to the Xbox Game Pass. If you have the Game Pass, you should check them out. All of this on December 16th. First is Broken Age from Double Fine. It's a point-and-click adventure, kind of an all-star cast, very well received. Uh, there's also Firewatch, which is a... I don't know how you describe it. It's a an adventure game, I suppose. Very narrative-driven. Has some mystery elements to it. And then Mortal Kombat 11 is also going to be there. That's pretty cool. Oh, there's also The Gunk, which is the newest game from the people who make the SteamWorld games. That's another big release on the, on the Game Pass. It's a day one. Okay, there we go. That's all for today, folks. Thank you so much for tuning in. Of course, back with the news tomorrow, as always. And until then, happy gaming, everyone. It's the TGO After Show. Hello, hello. Hi. Sorry I've been gone. Hope you're well. Um, what's been going on with me? A few things. You might remember a while ago, I... Well, I don't know, a few days ago? I completed, I played and completed The Forgotten City. Again, highly recommended if you get the chance to play it. It's a fully narrative-driven game. A little bit of action, but they warn you about the action in case you want to skip it. It's totally optional. And I say that because Shelby is currently playing the game. As I speak, I can hear it playing upstairs. And she's been obsessed with the game over the past couple of days. She almost she almost completely played it in one sitting, which is wild for me to hear. Um, but like I said, it's all it's very, very story driven. The whole idea is that uh, you're in an ancient Roman city where if one person breaks the golden rule, which is basically do not sin, then everybody in the city dies. And so it's also a time loop game so that if you do sin and everybody dies, then you go back in time to the beginning where you pop into the city for the first time, like Groundhog Day. A lot of games that have a time loop can be uh, annoying. This is not a game that is annoying. This is a game that is fascinating and does a lot of things really, really, really well. Highly recommend it. Anyway, the reason why I'm bringing it up again is because, like I said, Shelby is playing it now. I, uh, she's at the end. I'm, I'm going to finish recording and go up there and probably watch the ending with her. There's multiple endings, so I'm, I'm, I've been giving her a little bit of coaching in terms of like, hey, you might want to check this thing out. You might want to go here next because I personally did a lot of Googling when I was playing the game. And I can do that because I know how to like safely navigate spoilers, whereas Shelby doesn't play a lot of games. And, you know, it's easy to accidentally like see something that you're not supposed to see in advance. So it's easy. And, you know, even if I didn't have Google, I would prefer to have somebody just telling me like, hey, don't worry about that. You're not going to like die or something, which is I'm always worried about or hey, if you're stuck, here's like the next person you should talk to and you'll go from there. As opposed to being like Googling what to do after blank. And then it's like, oh, after blank, you got to do this very important plot point that the game hasn't revealed to you yet. And you're like, oh, okay, thanks. You could have just told me to like go down that hallway, you know? So anyway, yeah, I'm very excited. I'll probably bring Shelby on to do a weekend show about it because it's pretty rare that we both play a video game to completion, especially so soon one after another. And it also goes to tell you how, uh, you know, if, if you've got a game that you want to recommend to somebody who struggles with controls or anything that requires a lot of input, this is a good game to recommend. It's, uh, you know, like I said, the action is optional and that's a big deal because Shelby was not able to do the action. I had to, I had to do the, I had to do the action bits for her. It's funny. We've been playing It Takes Two, which is that co-op game that just won game of the year at the Game Awards. 
And even that game is supposed to be, like, very, very sanitized for people who don't play a lot of video games because the idea is that you're going to play it with your spouse who may or may not be in the same hobbies as you or your kids or whatever. And you can tell a lot of the gameplay in It Takes Two is is made a little bit easier, right? Wall jumping is incredibly easy compared to most games. The platforming is very basic. The puzzles are easy to understand. Like, it's, it's just meant to be a very wholesome game. And even then, Shelby is kind of struggling to get through some of the levels, particularly the boss fights. I mean, she's doing fine, you know, like, we're playing the game, we're having a lot of fun. It's not, like, concerning or anything. We'll be able to get through it. It's just interesting to observe, because I think it's easy to take for granted the fact that we're familiar and comfortable with the controller, but as soon as you put it in the hands of somebody else, timing takes a lot of muscle memory, and learning button prompts, and basic game design principles, you know? Which we just sort of accept when you play a lot of video games, you have an instinct of how things are going to go. But to somebody who's never played games or, or hasn't played a lot of them and hasn't built those muscles, it can be a very frustrating experience. So anyway, The Forgotten City does not have that for the most part, I think. And even then, I recommend everybody to play The Forgotten City. As long as you're up for a good narrative and a good mystery, that's the place to be, I'm telling you. Anyway, that's all for now. Thanks, everyone. Let's check in again tomorrow.